welcome to this bonus episode of The Commons, a podcast featuring researchers, innovators, artists, entrepreneurs, and community leaders who are improving the human condition in your own backyard and across the globe. I'm your host, Tom Osha. As part of the Bio-International Conference taking place this week, as a virtual set of webinars and video meetings, the Commons interviewed several members of the Phoenix Bioecosystem to learn more about the research, resources, and opportunities taking place in this rapidly emerging life science and biotechnology ecosystem. Sparking collaboration is the purpose of the Phoenix Bioindustry Ecosystem. Phoenix, Arizona, where each day is a relentless pursuit of cures. From discovery to delivery, join Phoenix companies and the leading edge of personalized medicine. Come to a young, vibrant community in an environment where ideas thrive. With a lack of barriers to enter the market, America's fastest growing population, and an entrepreneurial pioneer spirit, this is the place for rising to success. Join Translational Genomics Research Institute, three research universities, and world-class bioscientists in the Phoenix Biomedical Campus. Located in dynamic downtown Phoenix, home to Wexford Science and Technologies Collaboration Design Bioscience Research Building, the Center for Entrepreneurial Innovation and Unlimited Opportunities. Learn more at phoenix.gov slash econdev slash bio. Creating and growing a strong, sustainable, inclusive life science and biotechnology industry cluster is not for the faint of heart. It obviously requires leading universities and medical institutions, entrepreneurs with novel ideas for diagnostics, therapeutics, and devices, large companies to give scale and market access, and money, lots and lots of money. But look deeper into the most successful bioecosystems and you will also find private foundations, organizations with the vision, resources, connections, and alacrity to bring about meaningful action and impact. In Phoenix, Arizona, such activity is synonymous with the Flynn Foundation, established in 1965 for the express purpose of improving the lives of Arizonans. Its focus and generosity has had a significant impact in every corner of the state. Nowhere is that influence felt more acutely than in the leadership of the Arizona Biosciences Roadmap, a blueprint for leveraging the intellectual capital, innovation, and infrastructure across the state into a cohesive life sciences ecosystem. It's fitting my first guest on this special bio edition of the Commons is the CEO of the Flynn Foundation, Tammy McLeod. She joined the organization in 2017 after nearly 23 years at Arizona's largest public utility, where she held numerous executive positions and where she created a new company model for engaging in economic development and strategic community relations. To list her many contributions to Arizona's nonprofit community would take the rest of the show. So suffice it to say that Tammy is a leader who understands the value of service and how to amplify its impact for the betterment of an entire community. 
She joins me today from her home in Phoenix. Welcome to the Commons, Tammy. Thank you so much, Tom. It's great to be here today. One of the first mentions of, of the Flint Foundation that I had was probably 10 minutes after stepping off the airplane in Phoenix. And I asked about the strength of the biosciences community. And somebody said, you absolutely have to read the Arizona Biosciences Roadmap. It is a blueprint for how we're going to create and are creating a life sciences ecosystem. And so tell me a little bit about what the roadmap is, how it started, and and how it's really evolved into the North Star, if you will, for biosciences in Arizona. Well, let me begin by saying I'm absolutely thrilled that someone mentioned that to you, right, getting off the airplane. Um, It's good to know that people are engaged in talking about it. The Arizona Bioscience Roadmap was started in 2002, and a group of people in the community came together, consisted of business leaders, healthcare leaders, university professors, philanthropy, and others, and it was a confluence of a couple of different events. One was that the Flynn Foundation, which has long been engaged in the medical community because our founder, Dr. Robert Flynn, was a cardiologist at St. Joseph's Hospital, was looking to become more strategic in their philanthropic giving. And they wanted to be more focused in precision medicine. That lined up precisely with TGEN uh, making a decision to locate in Phoenix. And so the Flynn Foundation convened all of these leaders together, brought them together, and really talked about and laid out ideas for what Phoenix might become in the biosciences. The vision that they laid out was certainly not a a one-and-done. It's not an overnight accomplishment. It is something that we have now been looking at for 18 years. So in these 18 years, how many revisions of the roadmap have you gone through? The roadmap was updated one time several years ago. And really, it was a matter of looking deeply at the original intent and making sure that everything there still made sense. You know, the goals that had been laid out, are they the things that we still wanted to accomplish? Were there other things that need to happen that hadn't been contemplated when it was originally done? And we've really aligned around a number of principles that the community all buys into and that still make a lot of sense for us. So let's tuck into one of those. Um, How about research into practice? It's easy for folks to talk about the amount of research that they have in an ecosystem, at their universities, in the research institutions. It's quite another, though, to really understand the pathway by which that research actually can improve the human condition by being translated into new therapeutics, new devices, new diagnostics. And so talk a little bit about those strategies, if you would. Sure. So turning research into practice is one of the five main strategies that we lay out as as a goal. And within that, I think the word that you just used is the one that we most often use, which is translational. How do we take those discoveries and those ideas that often occur to researchers, whether they're at a university or in a healthcare setting, and actually develop them so that they become something that benefits the health and welfare of Arizonans. And so we have laid out a number of ways to do that. Uh, One of the things that we do uh, quite often are 
facilitate seed grants. And the seed grants have some unique aspects. First of all is that your idea doesn't have to be along very far in order to be something that the Flynn Foundation would support. But what it must do is that it must be a collaborative piece of work. The reason for that is that we have learned one institution working on their own on one idea stands a chance of perhaps being successful. But once that idea is engaged in a collaborative setting where that more than one individual or more than one institution are working together to make it happen, the chances of success are much greater. And so we always support collaborative action. Who are eligible for these seed grants, Tammy? We send them out usually on an annual basis. We typically get applications from organizations like TGEN, like the various hospitals that do research, Mayo Clinic, Honor Health. We get the universities involved. And so it's a terrific way to see ideas and applications begin to emerge. And because of the collaborative aspect, they typically have a setting within which they can test those ideas out more fully. Is there an opportunity for private enterprise to participate in the seed grants or to collaborate with one of the institutions you mentioned, like ASU or Mayo? You know, we actually do have a private enterprise that is engaged in one of our grants right now. They are engaged as a commercial partner. And the reason that they're there is because of the foresight of the researcher and the healthcare institution to really bring that private enterprise in and see, is this a viable product? Punch the holes in it that will be punched into it once it goes to market and really try to accelerate the commercialization of something like that. So yes, with the right partners, there are always opportunities. So I've always found that one of the things that companies look for when they're looking at where should I locate my business or if I'm a startup, where do I want to be is I want to be in the midst of a lot of talent. And so I I noticed goal three of the roadmap really talks about how to grow bio talent. Can you kind of comment on that, how you're working to increase the state's supply of talent and what that talent looks like today? Absolutely. I think we're really in a great place in Arizona because of a number of factors. One of those is that biotalent means a lot of things, right? Some people zero in on physicians, uh, which is something that we can always use more of. But frankly, we need more researchers and we need a lot of the mid-level sort of CTE talent, you know, career and technical education talent to operate in the lab and to work in the healthcare setting. So one thing that Arizona has that really causes us to stand out in that area is the Maricopa Community College System, which is, if not the largest, certainly one of the top two or three uh, community college systems in the United States. There are so many students and so many programs. And that's another example of how Flynn has then got in and looked at the strategies that are inside of the roadmap and thought about strategically where can we fund that might make a difference. In this case, we went directly to some of the community colleges and caused them in their career education centers and in their technical programs to reach out and work directly with some of the local companies to develop internships. And so our funding enabled the creation, first of a white paper to understand the need, and secondly, of actual internships that are occurring in partnership between the community colleges 
and local companies so that we are developing that talent and filling that pipeline right up. You know, that, that's fascinating that you talk about the community college. The research that I've seen from places like the Global Institute, Brookings, our own research at Wexford, really shows that in one of these life science ecosystems, 25 to 40 percent of those jobs don't require the four-year degree. And therefore, the pathway to those jobs, be it through the community college, be it through high schools, is an excellent opportunity to create more inclusion into the job opportunities for all communities. You're exactly right uh, for, for two different reasons. And, and that is because of the population that we're drawing from is much more inclusive and much more diverse. So that allows that pipeline to reflect the same. But also, those are really community-focused technical programs. And those programs then form lifelong career pathways. And that is in the biosciences as well. So a worker can reemerge and re-enter and have something that they call stackable credentials. So learn a few skills, go out and test those out. As things change or as the worker wants to develop, they can go back in and, and gain more skills really to form that lifelong pathway in the biosciences. Yeah, I like that idea of stackable credentials. And I know a number of universities, I don't know if ASU or the University of Arizona are looking at it, but there a number of universities are looking at, can I take those stackable credentials and actually be able to apply them towards a degree, right? So that after so much time taking so many of these courses, these certificates, I can stack it into an associate's degree or I can stack it towards getting a bachelor's or other advanced degree. Exactly. And then it works the same here. We have a, a really nice smooth runway directly from community colleges into the state universities that enables students to get there, get there with a head start, and frankly, oftentimes have a greater success rate both on finishing and finishing with a greater GPA. So, Tammy, let's move now from the creation of talent to the consumption of talent, and particularly those kinds of companies that are voracious consumers of the talent that's being created in programs such as we've discussed and that are entrepreneurs. I was fascinated by the Flynn Foundation's Bioscience Entrepreneurship Program. Highlight that program for me. And if I recall correctly, I think you've already chosen six companies for this year's cohort of that program. So the program's been going for about six years now. And the idea was really how do we help fuel that ecosystem? What's missing? You know, what is possible? And let's focus our efforts on that gap. One of the things that we've learned is that we really do have a thriving life science ecosystem. With our universities, uh, they are producing some great talent, and then there's great talent that comes outside the universities as well. But oftentimes, the programming that is created around entrepreneurship is, is much more broad than just life sciences. And if you're that life science entrepreneur and you're worrying about say, your FDA approval, you might be a fish out of water sitting with a cohort that is looking at their digital media strategy. Not that either one is unimportant, but oftentimes they have a much longer runway and much different problems. And so the idea of this was really, first off, how, how can we help? And so we look to support up to six early stage companies each year. Uh, they come from 
typically five different areas, which are devices and equipment, uh, drugs, pharmaceuticals, and diagnostics. Uh, this year, we have somebody from agriculture, and we're excited about that. Of course, research testing in the medical labs, which we've already spoken about a little bit, and then bioscience-related distribution. The companies come in, and it's a competitive process. They apply to the program. They're screened by a panel of outside experts. And then, obviously, a subset comes in for interviews. Those individuals are all phenomenal. There's not a story that you hear that you wouldn't want to get behind. But we we selected six companies this year, and they work with us over the course of the year in a variety of different ways. We work very closely with our trade association, which is AZ Bio, who administers this program on our behalf. And we spend time really looking at the individual entrepreneurs, trying to understand and diagnose what might best help them. And so they are placed with an advisor. We create resources and convenings and really try to put together a program that is both individualized to each company, but also creates that cohort effect so that they do have like-minded individuals out there that they can lean on when they need to. The creation of that life sciences network was something that emerged after this program started that we hadn't really contemplated in the beginning. We thought more about helping the individual companies, and now we've realized that that network that we've created through funding this program and after a number of years is really just as important as the help to the individual companies. You know, I noticed that networking and creating those connections is actually another one of the strategies of the roadmap. It is, and it, and it fits right in. And I'll just say briefly, you and I started this conversation today by talking about translational research and research into practice. What we believe is happening now is that that research into practice feeds straight into this entrepreneurship continuum. And so it's all about creating convenings, making sure that individuals who are facing unique problems are, have the support that they need, have individuals that they can share their experience with as well as learn from. And so it's a common theme throughout the work that we do that we really support the idea of the convening and bringing together individuals who can support each other. So- Continuing that line of, of kind of making connections, I was intrigued by the partnerships that you're seeking both across the Western states of the U.S. as well as into Canada and south to Mexico. Talk a little bit about what those partnerships entail and, and, and what kinds of companies you look for to be a part of those. I think, again, it's really based on the individual company. And if there is an area where we can help them reach out Typically, we do that through our partners, like at the Arizona Commerce Authority, the Arizona Mexico Commission, the Arizona Canada Business Association. We have a, a pretty thriving Canada to Mexico connection within the state of Arizona. And there are a lot of resources and really talented individuals who live in our community and work in our community that are there to help entrepreneurs make those connections. And so our job is really, again, that of convener and enabling those groups to reach out and to reach out to the right people so that they're efficient about it, but also so that they have a more effective result. So as I look at the latest report, I'm seeing across the board, 
jobs, wages, growth of wages, NIH grants, R&D, venture capital, patents, startups, all growing at above the national average, and in some cases, actually hitting records, which particularly as your NIH funding continues to hit new highs is, is particularly interesting since ASU is the largest university without a medical school. However, it has significant life sciences capabilities on its own. And then when you pair it with the excellent medical schools at the University of Arizona and what the Mayo Clinic and others are doing, it's a great picture of a robust ecosystem. Where are the gaps in it? So it's a great question. You know, this year's scorecard topped all previous years. And heading into the pandemic, we were performing at our highest level ever. You just called out the records that were set at funds from NIH, R&D expenditures, a record level of venture capital. I think that one thing that we really have to understand is that we have to remain attentive to this work. It took 18 years really to get here. And it wasn't happenstance. It took a lot of care and feeding and individuals who offer their time through our Bioscience Roadmap Steering Committee to stay focused on it. I mean, this is a long view. And the whole will be if you take our eye off the ball, if we don't revisit the metrics, if we don't make sure that they still make sense, if we don't remain attentive to this as a major push for the state of Arizona. Several years ago, we had a group called Science Foundation Arizona, and it was a state-funded, wonderful effort around science that, that went by the wayside because we didn't remain attentive to that. And so I think that for us, it will be understanding the economic response coming out of COVID-19 and making sure that resources stay focused, as well as just keeping everybody attentive to our plan. Since you mentioned COVID-19, what's your opinion on the kinds of changes we need to be thinking about as practitioners in building these innovation districts? What's it going to mean for the life sciences industry? I liken it, so I'm from Colorado originally, and in the early 1900s, when prohibition was put into place, Joseph Coors, who operated a large brewery in Colorado, really dumped his brew into a local creek and had to start over. And he pivoted to a porcelain factory, he studied the equipment that he had, understood what he needed to do. And most people don't know that Coors was one of the largest manufacturers of porcelain, especially medical grade porcelain used in laboratories for many years. That is what we have seen happen here in Arizona over the last four months, is that certain individuals have really stepped up and understood what was needed, were creative and thoughtful, and pivoted their businesses into a new way of being. And I think that that, in a way, is sort of uniquely Arizonan. I think there'll be a lot of thought around how we continue to do that within the life sciences. How do you change your plan when, when the plan changes, if you will? Well, considering that Phoenix is known from rising from the ashes, continual renewal and revitalization, I can't think of a better place to do that than in Phoenix and particularly in places like the biomedical campus and in partnership with the Flynn Foundation. My guest today on The Commons has been Tammy McLeod. She is the CEO 
of the Flynn Foundation, and they are the authors and supporters of Arizona's Bioscience Roadmap. To learn more about the Flynn Foundation, please visit www.flynn.org. That's F-L-I-N-N. And you can find more information about the Entrepreneurship Program and the latest copy of Arizona's Bioscience Roadmap. I'm Tom Osha, and this has been The Commons. The Commons is a production of Wexford Science and Technology, LLC. Views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guest. To view additional material about today's episode, submit questions or story ideas, or learn more about Wexford Science and Technology, please visit www.wexfordscitech.com forward slash the commons. I'm your host, Tom Osha. Thanks for listening.